Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, February 19th. As always, we're presented by my guy Dom at Dee's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karcheski. Just me today, but we do have our ninth interview uh, so far this year with current Texans cornerback Deontay Burton. Great interview. Um... A little bit on the shorter side, but it was a fantastic interview packed with a bunch of fun uh, information about Deontay's switch from wide receiver to defensive back. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show after we get through some of the headlines coming out of the weekend between Thursday's show and the show you're listening to now. So we'll start with basketball. All-Star game was this weekend. Um... Team LeBron won 178 to 164 over Team Giannis. I'll be honest with you, I did not watch a single second of any of the All Star Game, you know, skills challenges or the All Star Game in general. I didn't watch much of it. Um, I was busy pretty much all weekend running around, so I didn't really get a chance to get you know uh, a couple of minutes in front of the TV to watch this. But I do have. Um, I'll do up. I will update you guys about what happened during all of it. Even though I didn't really watch it, I did see a lot of the highlights. So we'll start with the All Star Game skills challenges. The actual skills challenge was won by Jason Tatum from the Celtics. I believe that's the first Celtic ever. Uh, he ended up beating Trey Young in the final round. Then the three pointer challenge, Joe Harris won, which was interesting because Joe Harris wasn't even supposed to be in the three point challenge. I think he was like a late addition. Um, but he did end up winning. And then the dunk contest, Amandu Diallo won uh, from the Thunder. I did see his dunk over Shaq. That was a pretty good dunk, even though he did put his hand on Shaq's shoulder to kind of give him a boost. It was a pretty good dunk, and I think he deserved to win. Um, and then the All-Star game itself, like I said, Team LeBron won 178-164. Again, no... Um, really shocker there I think we all expected team LeBron to win uh just because of the talent he had he did come back though they, they were down at halftime and then Kevin Durant won the MVP pretty easy choice for him but again it was a pretty for- forgettable weekend I think the dunk contest itself I like I predicted on the last show was boring nobody really cared uh honestly not a lot of people I know watched it it wasn't like the last couple years the dunk contest has been like, oh, you watched it. You're pretty confident everybody watched it. But this year, you know, talking to some friends, you know, not everybody watched it. And you had to ask them if they did watch it at all, um, if you were going to talk about it. But it was pretty pretty boring, pretty meh type of weekend. Um, and I don't know what you do to really fix that. The All-Star game is going to be the All-Star game itself. You know, it's just going to be another high-scoring event. I think next year what they should try to do is get a team to 200. They were at 178 to, to this week, this year, but they should try next season to get to, to get to 200. I think that would be an interesting uh, little aspect of it. But again, it was just a forgettable weekend. I don't really know where where you go from here. You gotta put bigger names in the dunk contest. That's the biggest thing. The dunk contest is your thing. You can't make the three point challenge the big prize event. The dunk contest has to be your big event, and you got to throw some names in there. I saw on Twitter, you know, Giannis and Donovan Mitchell were talking about it. Possibly Zion from Duke next year would be a good name. You just have to put some bigger names in there because it's boring without it. Amanda Diallo deserved to win that, but out of those four guys, none of those names really jump off the page just yet 
to a basic NBA fan. Yeah, John Collins is a really good name. Yeah, he's a really good rookie. Dennis Smith Jr. is a good name, and Miles Bridges is going to be a big thing in a couple years, possibly. He has the potential to be. But it just wasn't... These names just didn't jump off the page to me. To watch a dunk contest, I want to tune in and see these you know stars that I watch every single day you know, dunk the basketball. And I, I don't really understand why they don't... Um, include stars in this you know i get it it's a difficult event you know there is a small possibility for injury but still i think the league would benefit a lot if guys like lebron and Giannis and stuff like that did this and i think you would get a lot more people watching if they did but obviously it didn't happen but like i said a pretty forgettable weekend a pretty boring you know sleep you could sleep on that weekend and nobody's going to say anything. This wasn't the type of weekend where you show up to work or school on Monday and everybody's talking about it. It was just a boring overall weekend. But during this weekend, Adam Silver did his sort of State of the Union type of address about the league. And I thought he had an interesting quote that I wanted to talk about. He said, they asked him, what are you going to do about tampering? Adam Silver said, I believe the NBA has all the tools needed to stop tampering. But I think Adam Silver thinks that all the tools needed to stop tampering is just to hand out certain fines uh, every now and then to these players. But these fines, these, you know, big fines to the average fan are nothing to the stars of the NBA. So the guys that are actually tampering, these fines don't hurt at all. The tools needed to stop tampering are not fines and paying money. I don't know where, how you stop it, but you're not going to stop tampering by just throwing fines out every now and then because, you know, LeBron talked to Rich Paul or whatever. To stop tampering is a very difficult task. I don't believe you'll ever completely eliminate it from the NBA, but there's some obvious um, examples of tampering that just need to be stopped. Guys like Magic Johnson, stuff like that, in the NBA, no league's perfect. The NBA, the NFL, the MLB, the NHL, they all have problems. And tampering is the NBA's biggest problem. Tampering and players requesting trades are the two biggest problems in the NBA today. If a player wants out, they're pretty much going to get out any second that they want. And if, a thing, if something's not going right, if they're not winning in a certain situation, they can request a trade and you know two to three weeks later they'll be traded. That's why I kind of like what the Pelicans did. They screwed up not taking that big deal with the Lakers for all their young stars. But they kind of forced Anthony Davis's hand. Now Anthony Davis is going to have to play there for the rest of the year or sit out. And he's just going to look worse in the media and around fans. And I like that. I don't know why. I, I understand when players want to leave. There's certain situations that are toxic for a player's career, and you want to get them out onto the open market. Like Porzingis, I think Porzingis leaving was smart in terms of his decision making. He wasn't going to win. He wasn't going to thrive in um, New York, but he does have a better opportunity to go thrive in Dallas. Even though Dallas isn't a mainstream team, they do have a young core there, and he's going to help them build and get better over the next couple of years. But when you have players being able to request trades and the tampering goes on, this is where super teams come from. This is where, you know, the Warriors team that's won the last 100 straight finals come from. These, this tampering, this, you know, secret backroom deals that just go on. I don't like it. I hate it. But it's 
something you just got to deal with if you're an NBA fan. And, you know, obviously it sucks, but what are you going to do? It's the NBA, and it's the league of pettiness. It's the league of these backroom deals, and there's really nothing you can do about it. So I don't know where these tools are. I don't know if Adam Silver has some sort of secret toolbox that he's holding. I don't know if he's, you know, on the front lines every day with a hammer and a nail trying to stop this tampering because I don't see it, and I don't think anybody else in the NBA sees it. And none of these tools scare NBA players enough that they're just going to stop tampering altogether. So I call out to Adam Silver asking him where these tools are. I want him to show me the cases where he's actually stopped tampering because I don't think he really has. If a person wants to tamper, they're going to tamper. And that word itself, tampering, it's, it seems like it's such a big deal. But honestly, tampering in the NBA is just talking in the media about a certain player that's not on your team or having dinner with a guy that's not on your team. It's stupid. I, I don't know. What are you going to do? Dell Demps, the Pelicans GM, was fired the other day. Again, that is completely over the Anthony Davis trade and that debacle that happened there. Looking back on it now, should he have traded um, Anthony Davis and, and then Solomon Hill was in that trade too? For Kuzma, Hart, uh, Ingram, Lonzo Ball, all these guys, probably. But I, I love the fact that he's keeping Anthony Davis there. Now Anthony Davis has to play there for the rest of the season. If he had a better deal on the table with the Celtics, I think that makes more sense. But the only thing I could think of would be a better deal with the Celtics is if you're getting a guy like Tatum or Jalen Brown or both of them in that sort of deal. And I have to believe that's what he was being offered there. Because to turn off a deal like that with Ingram, Kuzman, Hart, and Ball, four of the best young players in the game today, doesn't make sense to me. But... It makes it made sense to Dell Demps, and uh, you know he was obviously drew the short stick of that whole thing. He kind of became the front man for that failure of a trade to not happen, in which he didn't really build that much in in New Orleans. He didn't. He had he pretty much pretty much sent built his entire career around Anthony Davis and his ability to change a franchise with his skill, and he just didn't do that. He made the, the DeMarcus Cousins trade, but that didn't help. Obviously, that probably hurt, it, hurt them you know, down the line now that we're looking at it because Buddy Heald's now turning into a pretty good player, and then DeMarcus Cousins is now in the Warriors. But he did do some things over his career to try to make the Pelicans better. They just didn't work out. He didn't draft well. He didn't That trade for DeMarcus Cousins put them in the forefront for a little bit, but it just didn't work out in the end because the lack of guard play from the Pelicans hurt them. And, you know, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins couldn't do it all. But Dell Demps has been fired. I think he will get another job. He is a solid GM for in the NBA, and I think he'll easily get another job here soon. Because I don't believe that Anthony Davis trade was his fault. You know, that put him in a really tough situation. When players demand to be trade, traded and you don't trade them, you know, it puts you in a tough situation because Anthony Davis is a once-in-a-generational type of talent, and to trade him, you know, in itself is not a good idea. Dell Demps will now won't be known as the GM that traded Anthony Davis in history of basketball. He won't be known as that guy, but he will be known, and I think that's what he wanted. But he will also be known as the guy who just who turned down a deal for Ingram, Ball, Hart, and Kuzman. But what are you going to do? That's the way the NBA works. It's a strange league. 
It's a hard league to be in. It's a hard league to be the GM of. And, you know, I think he saw deals like the Khalil Mack trade in the NFL where now, you know, Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden were blasted for trading a guy like Khalil Mack. Um, And I think they saw that and they realized they don't want to be known as the team that traded Anthony Davis or the camp that traded Anthony Davis. So they decided to keep him, but that that cost him his job in the end. Another guy who's still looking for a job, Carmelo Anthony. We are on day 102. Yes, we have passed the 100-day mark. It's looking a little rough right now. The Lakers, the team everybody expects him to go to, still have that open roster spot. We're still waiting on them to make that decision to put you know, their chips on the table to go all in on Carmelo Anthony. And we're still waiting. I don't know how much longer we got to wait. Every second that ticks away, my mental state, my mental health deteriorates every single second that he is still on the free agent market. Like I said, the Lakers have one free agent spot available. They have an open roster spot. Carmelo Anthony, as much as you may hate him, he has the highest, the highest ceiling for any free agent that is available right now today. He is two seasons removed from a 22 points 22-point average and an all-star appearance. The Lakers aren't winning the title this year unless they get another all-star or superstar in that building. There is not a single free agent or a buyout guy available that has the ceiling that Carmelo Anthony has. It is a gamble worth taking And I think the Lakers need to put their chips out there and make that gamble. There is an open roster spot available. There is a former All-Star, current Hall of Famer. I guess he's not current. Current All-Star, future Hall of Famer available on the free agent market. And you're not going to sign him. That makes no sense to me. They need to go out there. They need to throw their chips on the table and sign Carmelo Anthony. I think that's the only only way that they can get into the playoffs and possibly make a run at things. Carmelo Anthony's just been doing nothing but working out and training for the last couple of months. He is ready to make a splash on the NBA level again. And people look at what he did with the, with the Rockets and they look at that negatively. And yet his last his last game wasn't great. One for eleven shooting. Two points. It wasn't great. But also, this season, he put up 28 points this season. People forget that. Against a good Nets Nets team. Carmelo Anthony put up a 28, almost 30-point performance. And he's still sitting on the bench right now. Still sitting on the couch right now. Waiting to get a shot with with another NBA team. And the Lakers have that shot available. I think it's going to happen. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how long I have to wait. I'm not sure if they're in talks right now. The worst part about this whole thing is we're just sitting here waiting for something to happen and we're not getting any information available to us about what's going on behind you know closed doors. Get it done, Lakers. You need this. Carmelo needs it. It works for both camps. You won't find a guy with a higher ceiling available on the free agent market. Give him a shot. Go ahead and give Carmelo Anthony another shot and sign him to a deal. And trust me, cut out all the crap that you've been dealing with and just give him a shot. It's not going to get much worse with the Lakers. All right? It's already a pretty bad situation there. You know, LeBron trying to trade everybody. It's 
devise the locker room. Put Carmelo Anthony in there. He's a good locker room guy. He's just going to do good for your organization. Check him out, and trust me, you won't be disappointed with that gamble. And you also won't be disappointed with Dom and his business, Dee's Home Cuts. Dee's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $7, Dee's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. Truman and I and about 90% of our guests have gotten their haircut at Dee's at least once or they're lifetime uh, clients like me and Truman. Check them out. You're not going to find a better place. You're not going to find a cheaper home cut haircut around northeast ohio these home cuts you can check them out on instagram at these home cuts you can check out you know tons of videos about what all the cuts he's done set up a dm direct set up an appointment directly in his dms or bio asking questions trust me you won't be disappointed these home cuts professional haircuts at a low price moving to football now the aaf experienced its second weekend i don't have the numbers in front of me for viewership, I was looking, trying to look them up yesterday, but I just didn't find them yet. I don't think they were out yet. This is going to be the big week for them. I think you're easily going to see a big decline in the viewership numbers because I don't believe that many games were on TV. But the thrill, I feel like, has already been has already diminished a lot uh, from the first week to now. And maybe that's because of TV viewership. Maybe that's because the All Star Game was on. But this, the numbers, I don't think are going to be that great. But you are seeing guys like Jalen Marshall and Charles Johnson sort of make a move into the limelight of the AAF. Guys like that, guys like Zach Stacy. You know, there's some other names too that I saw have been slowly putting together a really good campaign on the AAF level, and they could possibly get another shot in the NFL. Jalen Marshall, if you remember from Ohio State. Really didn't get that big of a shot with the Jets. And Charles Johnson, you know, he had a lot of injuries over his career in the NFL. But they've both shown flashes. Charles Johnson, I think he went 190 yards the last game. These are guys that are going to get shots in the NFL. And that's why I love the AAF or the Alliance Football League. That's why I love it. Because guys like these are getting a second chance to show people what they can do. Not only them, but other guys, you know, there's certain... You know, offensive linemen that are playing well. There's some good defensive linemen that are playing well who have never even gotten a shot in the NFL level, and now they've been performing on, I guess you could say, a national stage like the Alliance Football League. But it is going to be interesting to see what the numbers were for this. I'll throw out the numbers on Thursday, Thursday show, once I get them. But it's going to go down, I almost guarantee it. I don't really think you can keep those numbers from going down because the first week everybody checks in you look at our show our show our one of our highest listened to episodes ever was our first episode and then there was a slow decline people started to stop tuning in but you got to keep people around and once you get past you know week four or five you're going to see that core number of diehard viewers and watching the games there were there was some moments from this weekend that stood out, you know, were those Twitter sort of viral clips. Those stood out. Performances like Charles Johnson stood out to a lot of people as well. But the games, there wasn't that big of a crowd anywhere. You know, no, no stadiums were filled up. Memphis, it was pretty bad in terms of attendance. There weren't that many people there at all. And I expect that, you know, not many people are going to want to go watch that, you know. 
I think the only people that are going to go watch these type of games are diehard football fans because most people are sort of footballed out. I love watching it. If I wasn't busy this weekend, if I wasn't running running around, I probably would have tuned in for a little bit, but I just didn't get the opportunity. But you are going to see sort of performances like Jalen Marshall's and Charles Donson's. You know, you'll see these guys start to come to the forefront, and you'll see guys that are NFL ready. You know, start to make waves in the NFL ranks and sort of get maybe roster spots here. But it's going to be interesting to see because once the season's over, it pretty much transitions right into training camp or OTAs. So if a guy like Charles Johnson gets an offer, he's going to be a lot less fresh and re-energized than some of these guys coming into camp. Or maybe he'll be even more, you know, he'll be loosened up. But I think he'll be tired coming into training camp. But then you look at it like, okay, let's say the NFL, let's say, you know, I don't know, the Saints want to offer Charles Johnson a contract or a shot at training camp, and they offer that to him right now. Could he leave if he wanted to? I'm not sure. I, I haven't checked the, the stipulations of an alliance contract, but could he leave if he wanted to? Could he get out and go, you know, spend his offseason now preparing for training camp with an NFL team? I'm not so sure because I don't know how strict they are about keeping these guys around once they get an NFL offer. But we're going to see guys like Charles Johnson, Jalen Marshall, Zach Stacy get another shot in the NFL. I truly believe that. Colin Kaepernick, though, was supposedly given an opportunity to play in the Alliance Football League. He turned it down because he wanted $20 million, which is an outrageous amount of money for the Alliance Football League. I don't think there's a guy in this Alliance League getting paid over a million dollars a season, even over two hundred grand. This is a very small league. The amount of money that they have available is just not even close to what the NFL has. So wanting $20 million is an outrageous number. And Colin Kaepernick would bring in viewers like that, and he's worth paying the most, I think, out of anybody in that league, but not $20 million the most. So I don't know what he was thinking there. But he did win his suit against the NFL with his teammate Eric Reed, former teammate Eric Reed. They don't know the amount of money that was given to him, but it's a lot, apparently. It's an undisclosed amount of money. They settled out of court. Good for the NFL. Good for Colin Kaepernick. I want to put this whole Colin Kaepernick situation behind us. I'm tired of talking about him. I'm tired of you know these type of breaking news things that come across the screen every now and again about this case and Colin Kaepernick. I just want to put this whole situation behind us. If Kaepernick doesn't want to play football anymore, move on. Let him go into retirement, do his things. He's going to do great things in his retirement in terms of social works and stuff like that and charity. But he just, if he has no want to play football anymore, let him go. Let him just sh- move off into the social world doing works there because I really don't want to hear from him anymore. I'm kind of tired of the whole Colin Kaepernick situation, and I think it'd be good for him and it'd be good for everybody else if he just kind of stopped dealing with the NFL and the NFL stopped dealing with him because he's had opportunities. I hate when people say give Colin Kaepernick an opportunity. He's had opportunities. He had contract deals with the Ravens, I believe, he had an opportunity to get a tryout with the Seahawks, and he didn't go because his plane was delayed. And now he had an opportunity to go play in the Alliance Football League. If he really loves football, if he really wants to come back, 
He has to take these opportunities, like the Alliance League. Yeah, it's not great. It's not ideal to go play in sort of a minor league football team, in a minor league football league. But these, this is the route that you have to take if you want to get back to the league. He's not going to be a starting quarterback anymore in the NFL. He's not one of these guys that you bring on and you're instantly going to start. He is a project guy, and teams know the kind of press that he's going to bring with them. Because let's say you sign Colin Kaepernick to a deal, you're a team like the Dolphins, and he gets beat out by somebody who's better than him. You're going to get a lot of hate for that. And if he doesn't play and if he sits on the bench the whole season, you're going to get even more hate for that. And teams just don't want to deal with that right now, and I don't blame them. So Colin Kaepernick, if you really want to play in the NFL again, you're going to have to pay your dues. You're going to have to suck your pride up. You're going to have to swallow it, and you're going to have to go play in a, in a league like the Alliance Football League or take a backup deal or even just a camp invite from any team that's offering because I think that's how you're going to get back into the NFL. Speaking of getting back, we are now getting back into baseball season. Spring training opened up. Every camp has now opened up. We're still waiting on some of these major free agents to get signed, and people ask me all the time, Travis, why is baseball free agency so slow? So what I did for you today is I looked up an article, Seven Reasons Why Free Agency is So Slow in the MLB. It's by Dan Perry. Uh, I got it off of MLB.com. I'll read that those seven reasons off in a second. First, I want to talk about Bryce Harper, where he's at right now. We'll do Machado on Thursday. We'll just keep doing these updates every single week until both of these guys get signed. So basically, where we're at with Bryce Harper is the Phillies are really close to a deal. That's what I've heard. I've heard rumors that they are close to the deal every single day now, that they're right there, and it's just going to take you know a little bit more to get it done. There were rumors yesterday that the sales team, the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, HR sales team or whatever, had to work on President's Day. They never work on President's Day, and they had to work. That turns out that that turned out to be false, and in fact, they did have off. But we're now at that point right now. We're just looking at that sort of situation. The Padres, I guess, are still in on Bryce Harper as well, and then the White Sox are also rumored to be interested still in Bryce Harper. Then we have a mystery team. There's a mystery team out there right now. I read a great article the other day sent to me by Brian Leonard up by Let'sGoTribe.com. This is one of those Indians fan sites that I love to read. They did this sort of article about um, would the Indians be interested in signing Bryce Harper, and I love their reasons why he should sign with the Indians. Now, looking at it, they didn't. Bryce Harper wants a 10-year trillion dollar deal he wants to make a bunch of money over a long term but what he, what the the article stated was that bryce harper should take a short-term three-year deal two to three-year deal with the indians and basically for the next two to three years he's just going to be playing in the al central with shitty pitching and crappy teams all around and he's just going to be able to rake over the next couple of years get his stats up win an mvp Pretty much a guaranteed playoff spot in the, for at least the next two years. And he's going to be prime time you know, in the playoffs. He's, his marketing is going to get better. The city of Cleveland's going to love him. He's going to get pretty much a guaranteed starting spot coming into the Indians. He's going to get a starting spot wherever he goes. But he would easily slide into the Indians lineup. The outfield right now is very young. And we could easily benefit from a guy like Bryce Harper. So that's where we're at with that. We're at the mystery team season. We're at flight tracking season. This is where we're at with Bryce Harper. But we're still 
baseball is a month away to one a month to a month or two away. The first Indian spring training game is going to be on TV this Saturday. And yet Bryce Harper, Craig Kimbrell, uh, Dallas Keuchel, Manny Machado are still available. So why is free agency so slow? I'm going to tell you. There are seven reasons why. We'll go through it quickly so we can get to Deontay Burton's interview. First reason. The TV deals in the MLB are more profitable than ever. So teams aren't really relying that much on ticket sales to make some money. They're already making their money with TV deals, so they don't have to worry about signing big-time guys and making their team better to sell tickets or merchandise. Second, teams are tanking. And they want to trade veterans, they want to trade all their veterans or stars. So the teams that are tanking, they're not going to want to sign free agents. And contenders can fill their rosters via trades rather than free agency. They don't have to worry about signing a guy or wooing him or paying him a lot of money. They can just trade a couple prospects for a star who's going to be a free agent in two to three years. Third reason, teams want to stay under that competitive tax ceiling that was set in the last uh, bargaining agreement. So basically what that tax ceiling is, the competitive tax ceiling, is $206 million dollars. If you go over that $206 million, if your payroll goes over that deal, you have to pay a tax penalty for every year that you are over it, that tax penalty goes up. But once you get under it, um, and then let's let's say you're let's say you're on that over that ceiling this year, okay? Let's say you're over that over that ceiling this year, and then you get back under it, you're gonna pay a fine, you're gonna pay a tax, and then you go under it, and then you go over it again, you're gonna go Back to that first year tax. It's a confusing thing. All right. But let me just tell you teams want to stay under that $206 million cap ceiling so that they, they can avoid these type of penalties. There were six, when it first went into effect two years ago, six teams were above that. Last year, two teams were above it. So you can see teams are trying to get under it now. Four, younger players are a better investment right now than the older players. Younger players have their best numbers usually during their first years of their career, and it's just an analytical type of thing. It's better to sign a guy who is young and has this this ability to break out into a star than to sign a free agent veteran who has his best years are behind him. Five, with the last collective bargaining agreement, the players had their minimum salary increase, and basically what they did... Perry explains this. They what they did is they negotiated for more of a quality of life situation. You know, more days in the clubhouse, more rest days. They they offered you know to get chefs and stuff like that in the clubhouse, make the clubhouse experience better, and make their day to day life experience better. And they did not focus on that competitive tax rule, which has sort of screwed them over, and it's increased their minimum salary. So it's more expensive to sign these free agents and teams just aren't going to go out there and spend a boatload of money on somebody that they really don't need in the first place. And then six, obviously collusion uh, between the owners. The owners decide themselves, let's not sign free agents. Let's force the market to kind of pay for itself. Let's force these guys to kind of, um, you know, screw themselves over. And then seven, uh, extensions, which have kind of thinned out that free agent class. So, you know, it's better to sign a guy to an extension before he hits free agency. And that's what a lot of teams are doing. You saw that with Aaron Nola last week. And then hopefully with the Indians here soon with Francisco Lindor. So what are you going to do? That's seven reasons why the free agent market is as slow as it is. 
it's basically just because it's better now with analytics to sign younger guys and draft younger guys or bring up a prospect. It's better to do that than to sign a veteran whose best years are behind him. If that's pretty much the entire reason, if that's if I could think of one reason summed up into one you know sentence, that would be it. And then the competitive tax ceiling as well, and then possibly collusion between the owners. But what are you going to do? That's baseball. It's going to be slow for the next couple of years until you know the next co- collective bargaining agreement ends. I think that's in 2021. You're going to see this for the next couple of years unless players strike and they have some sort of lockout, which is also completely possible uh, in this day and age. But that's baseball for you. Quick little couple storylines one to wrap up on or just one, and then we'll get to Deontay Burton's interview. Uh, Daytona 500 was yesterday. Again, didn't watch it. I'm not a big NASCAR guy, uh, but Danny, Danny Hamlin won. Uh, I'm not really sure why NASCAR does like Daytona the first race of the year. I guess it's kind of kicks off the racing season and you know in a big way, but if it's like the Super Bowl of racing, it should be like the last race and it should be for the championship. But maybe I just don't understand how NASCAR works and all that type of thing. But that's it for our storylines and headlines today. Let's move now to our interview with Deontay Burton. Another great interview with him. That's nine so far this year with professional athletes. We are so excited to bring him on. He has an interesting career. He has spent two years in the NFL, and he is from Kansas State. He was a wide receiver with Kansas State. And then he moved into the NFL, and he was asked to transition to defensive back or corner, and he did it, and he's done it successfully. And now you sort of see his career sort of rise, and he's slowly becoming a better corner every single month or week that he's working at it. Uh, you know, he was on the Falcons practice squad, then he was on their active roster for a little bit, then he was cut, signed by the Packers for a week, then cut, signed back with the Falcons, and then he signed with the Texans onto their active roster, and he is now on the Texans active roster, and he was on the sidelines for that playoff game with the Colts. He is slowly becoming a big name in the NFL, and he is slowly becoming a uh, possible option for corners for for starting cornerback position with the Texans. So it's a great interview with him. Uh, interesting, you know, kind of insight into guys who into a guy who had to switch positions because I know that's going to be happening a lot with the NFL draft coming up. You know, certain people get asked to switch positions. So this is kind of a good interview with that because you know, you get a first-hand view of what it's like to have to switch positions. You know, something you've played almost your whole life and to just have to switch it to make an NFL roster. It's a tough decision that people have to make. And, you know, Deontay made that decision. So here he is, Deontay Burton, Texans cornerback. Enjoy. Uh, so we now welcome on uh, Texans cornerback Deontay Burton. Uh, so you're now in off-season mode. Uh, what kind of things are you doing to get ready for the season? Um, I go in early and lift with a couple of guys on the team, uh, just little mobility stuff to keep us in shape, keep us loose, um, maybe play some basketball, just little things right now since we're early in the off season, you don't want to do too much, wear your body yeah. out. Yeah. So coming out of Kansas State, um, why did you decide to make the switch from wide receiver to cornerback? Well, it was more of a, a decision to just keep playing for that team. Um, Atlanta had eight receivers at that point after we had finished preseason. And for me to keep my foot in the door and, and keep a job, they, they offered me a chance to switch over to DB. 
and uh, it just worked from there. Did you ever play cornerback uh, before the NFL? I mean, in high, I, I played a little in high school, um, but mm-hmm. not since then. Yeah. Yeah. Was it – I mean, obviously it's got to be a tough transition, but was it easy easier for you than you expected? Uh, I had some good days and some bad days running around with Julio Jones and, and oh, yeah. Mohamed Sanu and those guys. So sometimes it was harder than others. But, I mean, I think – just depending on, you know, I relied on my athleticism a lot to help me out and mm-hmm. studying the game, and it, it came decently easy. What kind of things did you have to work on the most transitioning to DB? Uh, just the little things of now you're going backwards, um, not looking at the quarterback or trying to find the ball so early in, in certain situations, um, understanding offenses from a different, uh, different standpoint, a different mindset, like little things like that just picking up on those and trying to get the speed with the other guys who've been playing all their, you know, all their career was probably Mm -hmm. the hardest part. Who would you say is like, was like your biggest mentor during that transition? Um, I had a lot of great guys on that defense that helped me out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ricardo Allen, the free safety. Yeah. He, he was a a huge part. Him and I sat down and we talked a lot. Bleedy, uh, Ray Wilson is another corner they have there. I worked with him a lot and just, a lot of the vets and the starters, guys who kind of taught me just little things that they knew along the way that kind of helped me out and keep me around. Definitely. Uh, so in your first year, you made the uh, Falcons practice squad. What kind of things did you do to help yourself stand out and make the team? Um, I just continued to work hard. Uh, I kind of took it upon myself to to never be a guy you'd have to tell something twice to, to, to not be late, not be, you know, be prepared. I, I, all those things I wanted to take care of early and on my end, you know, the things that I can control and yeah. um, and just being a student of the game and then giving effort are, are, I think, are the things that kept me around. So, yeah, like we said, you know, you were undrafted coming out of college and then, uh, you know, you bounced around this year a little bit. Uh, do you kind of embrace, you know, that underdog mentality, you know, practice squad guy trying to make the team? Uh, Yeah, I, I do. I think um, often it's easy to kind of – be a victim when you have an opportunity to to use that to help yourself to be the underdog. Uh, so I, I use it to kind of keep me going. You know, mm-hmm. the odds probably aren't so much stacked in my favor, but it's something that I kind of use as fuel to, to keep going. Did it was it hard to you know stay ready you know during the season when you didn't, you didn't have a team to go to? Well, I only was out of a. I don't even think I was out of football for a week. That's I just kept bouncing team to team to team. So it was. My agent, uh, he does very well with, you know, with relationships that he has and talking to guys. So, he he didn't let me be out of football for too long. That's good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you've played in a couple games over your career so far. What was your first NFL action like? Um, it was pretty exciting. Um, just kind of coming to the realization that it's all here. It's happening now. So, that was cool. Uh, I remember it was kind of cold, actually, so – where was what game was it? Um, it we played in Philly, oh, first yeah. game of the season, and it was mm-hmm. still cold. Yeah. Uh, did you notice? Uh, like a, did you notice a pretty clear change of speed from you know college to NFL? Uh, not so much. I think the guys are just bigger. I mean, they're yeah. grown men now, but the the speed gap and all that stuff. I I don't think it's as exaggerated as people think. But mm-hmm. I mean, there are those occasional guys who are just freaks. But I, I don't know if it's so much 
a bigger gap as, as we all think there would be. Yeah. So you can pick any any part in your career, high school, college, NFL, but who's the hardest receiver you've had to guard, whether it's in a game or practice? Um, Definitely Julio. Yeah. What makes yeah. him so special? I, he's just uh, he's bigger than everybody else. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm decently big, and him and I are eye to eye with each other, but he's got me by 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he can he can run with just about everybody out there. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of it makes it hard to to know what he's gonna do to kind of play off his route tree because he can do anything he wants. So yeah. he's a he's a tough cover. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you also experienced a little playoff action this year. Uh, what was that atmosphere like? You know, during the divisional round. Uh, it, was, it was exciting. Um, it was a whole new whole new vibe. You could tell. You know, everyone's a little bit more dialed in, a little, a little more ready to go because it's playoff football. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was definitely different, and I'm glad I got to experience it early in my career. A lot of guys don't get to experience that, so yeah, I was happy to, happy to kind of see how that went down and just be able to take in that memory. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, what current or former NFL player would you compare yourself to the most? Um. I think uh, as, with my size at corner, I would hope to to be compared to one of the previous guys of a, a Namdi Asamoah who covered a lot of ground, great corner for the Raiders and on in the Eagles' career. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Champ Bailey and how he played, so I would like to be compared to him also just with the frame and his ball skills. But I would I would definitely say those two. When you were uh, transitioning to corner, did you watch any, like, film of those guys to kind of give you some tips? Um, Definitely. And, I mean, I just kind of picked up, especially on a lot of the guys in the league now. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is, is a good guy to watch. Patrick Peterson. You know, guys who are bigger have a bigger frame, longer arms, longer legs. I watch mm-hmm. a lot of their, their movements because it's a little more applicable to me than, than the smaller guys. So, Yeah. Uh. All right, this is a good hypothetical for you. If you could pick off one former or, you know, current NFL quarterback in any time period, who would it be? I got to get Tom Brady. Tom Brady? Definitely. You got to <laughs> get Tom. Yeah. That's, that's the best. That's, that would be the best to do it. You got to pick him off. Well, we're we're Packer fans. Uh, do, you think, you, do you think he's the GOAT? I don't know, man. I did get to see Aaron Rodgers firsthand. Yeah, yeah, you had some experience with the Packers. He's <laughs> he's something special. So I don't know. That's tough, but I think I don't think you can deny Tom's resume. That's true. Yeah. Uh, would you consider yourself, whether this is in college or even in the NFL, do you consider yourself a trash talker? Um, not so much, but I'll I'll definitely finish it if someone else starts it. I don't really go out of my way to say anything. Who starts it the most? Do you think? Do any guys? In my time, it's usually been DBs that started yeah. first. That's kind yeah. of what I've learned. <laughs> so, uh, this upcoming season, do you have any personal goals for yourself? Um, yeah, a few. I'd, I'd like to solidify a, a starting spot and mm-hmm. make you know make some bigger plays, do things like that coming up. Small goals. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you like to do? You know, outside of football, you know, in your free time, what what are your like hobbies? Um, I have uh, I have two dogs, so I spend a lot of time outside, uh, either what running them the or their names are Mowgli and Ziggy. Oh, that's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spend a yeah. lot of time with them. 
doing things like that, running around, but not too much. Pretty relaxed, pretty chill guy. Yeah. That's good. Uh, just finishing up, we ask these questions to everyone who comes on. Who was your favorite athlete growing up? Favorite athlete growing up? Doesn't have to be football. I think it was, I want to say Dion. It was either Dion or Dr. J. Okay. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, last question here. Uh, what was your favorite memory from sports of all time, whether it's, you know, high school, college, NFL? Uh, probably senior year of college, I got to finish my college career with my best friend. He was on our team, too. Definitely. That's so that, was, that was his last game. That would probably be the last time we played together, so that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. Well, I think do you have any more questions? Chris? Nope. I think we're good. All right. Well, we appreciate you know us giving you giving you giving us you know ten minutes of your time. It really it really helps us out. Hey, anytime, fellas. I appreciate you guys doing this. I think it's pretty cool what you guys got going. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Have good luck. Day. Good luck this season. All right. All right, fellas. So there you have our interview with Texans corner Deontay Burton. Again, we are a huge shout out to him and every athlete that has given us their time. Uh, over the last couple of months, it's huge for us to get these interviews, and we love talking to them. You know, no matter who they are, what sport they play, we just love getting insight into you know their career and where they're at right now in this state, in their you know career, in their stage in their career. Um, but that was it for our show today. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts. Uh, we ask that you go into iTunes, give us five stars, rate, review us, and subscribe. You can also find us on Spotify, YouTube, and 12OunceSports.com tomorrow from 7 to 8 a.m., and then GrandOldSports.com as well. So you have a lot of opportunities to listen to us, like I said, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, 12OunceSports.com, GrandOldSports.com bunch of opportunities for you to listen to us and check us out um so tell your friends tell your family about us uh follow us also on twitter at tnt sports talk 12 give us five stars i mean not five stars send us a dm on twitter sorry i was reading the wrong thing send us a dm on twitter uh, if you want to be a guest if you have questions to be answered on the show if you have questions about the show how to start a podcast anything like that questions comments concerns dm us on twitter you also find out uh, different things going on with the show on Twitter, and you can respond and chirp back to us on that if you have something you di- you disagreed with. But other than that, that's our show today. We want you to have a great day. Tune in on Thursday. Hopefully we'll get some uh, free agency news with baseball coming down over the next couple of days, and we can talk about that on Thursday. But check us out on Thursday. Have a great day, guys.